This is Rumble Strip, America Heilman. Our next call is going to be um, a spur road off of Lake Fairley. So we're going to head back into there and we'll go see about this deer that's possibly still alive. Um, and then we'll maybe get it out to somebody on the deer list that can use it. That's game warden Jeff Whipple. A deer got hit by a snowplow. Probably happened the night before and it's probably dead. But he's going over there to deal with it one way or another. I spent a day with Jeff riding around in his patrol truck on the second weekend of deer season, late November. Game wardens are kind of like nature's cops. They're trained in law enforcement, and they can do pretty much anything a regular cop can do. But they're also conservationists, and their real job is to look after the wilderness areas and forests that make up 75% of the state. They're spread thin across Vermont, so in order to respond quickly to calls, They have to work in the district where they live. That means that their neighbors are also their constituents. The most interesting thing to me about game wardens is that their work puts them in contact with just about every kind of person in Vermont. And in order to do the job well, they have to be able to talk to anyone. Jeff lives in Chelsea, and in Chelsea, pretty much everyone hunts. The night before the season starts is like a full-on holiday. I rode with Jeff right about when some hunters are starting to get anxious and frustrated that they haven't got their deer yet. Rules are, you have to be 25 feet from the road to shoot a deer, you have to be on land that's not posted, and you can't shoot a deer out of a van or a Honda Civic, which happens. Here's Jeff Whipple. Welcome. It's it's the second weekend of rifle season, right? So what are you looking for as we're driving around? Sure. So you're looking for trucks parked on the side of the road. Um, people are going to be looking for you. Uh, you know, they, they, they want to either tell you their story about how they've killed a big deer or maybe how there's, in their opinion, no deer in the state. Uh, I've already got that three times today. And I plan, I, I plan a, a gas station stop to last anywhere from five minutes to an hour and a half. <laughs> So there's this switching hour when you're in rifle season where things start to change. Yeah. You know, we we don't want to pattern road hunters as a type of um, hunting, but the typical truck that we're we're looking for is a, I mean, it's 30-something degrees here today, and when we see a pickup when both windows are down doing five miles an hour, that pretty much gives it away. But (laughs) they're looking for deer, and they're ready to shoot. Are you, do you have cell service? Limited. Um, I can get to it. You need something urgent? I think I'm going to be working a uh, illegal deer here in a minute, and it's kind of on our border. Denver, I'll call yourself. So by now we had arrived at the road where the dead deer was, and we were looking around for it, and a guy in a truck rolled up and rolled down his window. Howdy. Remember that deer? Yeah. yeah it's just up there. I figured. Like just past uh, East Okay. Around that bend. This the side of the road? Yeah, that's of it. Okay, I'll take a look. It's probably fresh, like, you probably eat it. Yeah, you want it? Uh, yeah, I'll take it. All right, turn around and you pass me and show me where it's at. Okay. And then... It just shows you how sometimes people are eager, like this guy, to take the deer. Yeah, I'll take it. Oh, I got like it. must have been out in the raspberries. Yeah, I just got stuck and was going home, and then I saw you. Yeah, sure. Um, if you, hit right over there. Yeah. Um, if you don't want it, you don't have to take it. Uh, but if you want it, by all means. 
I'll take it, yeah. Okay, cool. I'll write you a tag for it and we'll, uh, yeah, drag it up out of there. Sweet. I came across it at like 8.30. How do we want to do this? Just Whatever's easier for you. Um, let me grab one of those legs and then work together. And it's funny, I just met you. And I noticed my Speedo. Speedo don't work. Oh. Speedo <laughs> just went out. Well, it's not racking up mileage. No, it's good. Yeah. Sweet. I haven't got a deer this year, and if I don't get one, you know, I'll still have meat, so. That's right. That's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. So here's a tag. You don't have to put it on it. Um, I wouldn't ride around at the tailgate down just because it's a doe, yeah. but. And when I go get taken up, or cut up, just yep. give it to them. Yeah. Are you going to bring it to Dave? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I know Dave, so just give him that, and he'll, uh, he'll run it through. Um, so. Thanks, Yeah, Jeff. yeah, absolutely. Thank you, thanks. Hit a deer by the old schoolhouse. I love how, uh, like this town, when I was in Rutland, a lot of it was, uh, you know, oh yeah, it's right at the intersection of this road and this road. Now they give you a, a dead deer call and they say, oh, it's where Farmer Steve used to live. Like, well, you remember where he was dating that one girl and she was down, well, it's where her parents used to live. That's how they give directions in this town. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm all over it. <laughs> so that's where we're headed to back him up right now. I'm going to be on foot in the woods. He's taken off into the woods. Edward, I'm in Chelsea Village. I'm coming your way. That's where I am parked. I'm just up from their house and I'll be on foot. So Keith just had a guy take off on him. It sounds like he's killed a deer. chasing them down, essentially, so we're going to get there as quick as we can. So someone shot a deer illegally, and Jeff's sergeant, Keith, was chasing him through the woods on foot, maybe chasing a guy with a loaded gun. Jeff had lost contact with Keith on the radio, and nowhere's really close to anywhere in this area. So we were driving about 80 miles an hour down Route 110 from Chelsea toward Tunbridge. It's a road that curves along the first branch of the White River, up and over bends, and there's no shoulder, just snow banks. It all seemed pretty dire, but what do I know? Jeff was calm, the way people like him stay calm in moments like this, but his face was getting pretty red. So at a moment like this, I mean, what does it feel like? You're on, I mean, or are you nervous? Uh, no, you're mentally preparing for what you're going into. So you know that it's a scenario where the subject doesn't want to be caught. So he's now taken off. And so you're preparing, okay, where, you know, what am I going to do? Where are we going to set up? You know, is there going to be a fight waiting for us at the end of this? Is there a guy 
ambush with you know waiting to do something to us so yeah you start running through all you're mentally preparing yourself for once you get on scene Copy that. Denvor, have we got a description on this guy? His name is You can talk to his brother, Mr. House by the barn. 3-6, did you say the brother is compliant at this point? At the 5-9 said, but when I went by, it looked like he might have been on a cell phone or something standing up by his vehicle. This is where I arrested him in the past, this house. Um, he's saying he might come down to the barn, but... He's got eyes on him. So who are you looking for, the brother or him now? Keith just... Keith can see him right now in the woods. So all we know, we've, we've had illegal deer move through here in the past, and this is the exact spot I got this suspect before. We know he just took off in the woods, and there's an illegal deer here somewhere. Um, but now Keith's got him somewhere up in the woods up there, or he's at least got contact with him. We're in a, on a dirt road with a mobile home and a house and a barn and a VW bus and a sugar shack and a... Kind of a hippie house set back on the other side. Well, I'm trying to reach Keith. He's got contact with the, sus with the suspect, but he's not ready on back. 5059-1120. What kind of gun is that? Uh, this is our patrol rifle. 3659-1120. 3659-1120. thanks. Um, we're going to start walking back to the barn. Oh, okay. That's a good sign. Was that Keith? Yeah, I'll meet you down there. Yeah, so he's got the subject in custody. Hey, blood. Oh, yeah. Here. Hit myself with my rifle. Hey. 036, where did you see the brother standing? Looked like he had a gray or uh, Ford Escape or something. He was standing next to that. Looked like he was looking down at a cell phone. The one that was in the trailer? What direction? Yeah, 10 4. Uh, I heard three shots. I saw him coming out of the woods with nothing, and I okay. said, where is it? I figured, you know, because he had seen a big one up in here. We didn't know there was a big one in here. And yeah. So I'd as soon not tell you about it. So I figured he probably was mad because he... Because he missed. Missed, you know. Yeah. And then uh, Buddy and I walked up this morning, and I saw the blood trail coming down through, and I didn't go in and look then. I just, I wanted to get to the woods and hunt. Sure. Was it a doe? A spike horn. A spike. Yeah. Looks like it could have been a nice one another year or so. Oh, really? Yeah, I had nice, good, straight oh. horns coming out. I was telling Keith, we were up here, I had no more and got set, and I had one come out, and I, he had probably a horn that probably would have been legal back when it was spike oh, horn right, still. Right. Yep. And then he had another one that came up, and I, I bet his nub on it was <laughs> no more than that right there at best. And I was like, well, I, I'm, you know, <laughs> you know, look through the scope and hope to grow them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't. 
I just assume you get a little bit bigger one anyways. There you go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I like... assume that the three-pointers and the four-pointers sure. grow into more mature bucks and yeah. breed more and stuff. And we had, I, I don't know, probably 25 years ago now it was, I got a nice, it was a 187-pound six-pointer up here. Nice. And you would have had eight, except for you worn them down rubbing so that the two didn't really count. Oh, I, sure. I could have called him, maybe I weren't going to, but he had a 21-inch. Really? Yeah. Oh, that, that is 21 inch spread on yeah. between. Nice. That was like, holy, my dad said, I never seen a big, uh, this big of a deer getting out of here, and he grew up here too, and sure. hunted his whole life here. Yeah. Cooling off a little bit. I noticed that. Oh, yeah, learned bad day, really. kids or he said he's got two kids that are new to hunting and he said he doesn't want them seeing this kind of hunting illegally so he called on his brother means I don't have to transport the prisoner <laughs> those must be some interesting conversations yeah kind of like uh, how you doing after you just chase them down <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely makes for some awkward rides back to the barracks. Do they ever just bare their soul? I mean... Yeah, I've had guys just openly crying the whole ride to the barracks. So the people who are weeping openly for the ride, what are they saying? <laughs> I shouldn't have done it, or... Some people just are quiet and don't say anything. And, and then sometimes we talk about football... <laughs> Sometimes we talk about racing, but it, you know, it depends on what the guys then do. Or, and a lot of, honestly, a lot of times that, that we don't transport a lot, um, but the few times I've done it, we've talked about deer hunting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, boy, I just, uh, there might be a 99. Oh, so that guy that we just took into custody, that Keith did, he has two warrants for failure to appear out of Windsor and Washington County. So his weekend just got a whole lot longer. So you never, nobody was giving him a lot of advice or punishing him or schooling him on what he did wrong or anything. Is there a, is there a value of rubbing someone's nose in it? I don't think so. For me, these are community members. They're, they're folks that, yeah, have messed up you get right down to it at the end of the day you have to go home and yeah you're going to your home but your district is your home and you live there and you're going to see the same people every day at the gas station and I mean you you're going to go to whether it's a basketball game or you're going to go into the barbershop and there's going to be somebody in there that you know you've been in their house at two o'clock in the morning taking an illegal deer out of their barn before um, it's going to happen how awkward do you want to make it I think if you can go home every day with that sound peace of mind that, you know what, I treated that person just like I'd want to be treated if I got into a scenario like that. It was um, close season, muzzleloader season had just ended. Got a call from dispatch about a gunshot. Sees somebody, what they think is somebody dragging a deer. So truck leaves to get a truck description we head there and we have no no idea where this 
person is. We have no idea who this person is. All we know is the vehicle description. We, we canvassed the area. We all split up and started looking and nothing, nothing. But that night I went home and I had to pick up something at the store. It was it was like uh, maybe 5.30. People were coming home from work and everybody was kind of stopping the store, picking up whatever they needed for the night. And I happened to see a buddy of mine in there and I uh, made a very loud point to tell the story to him up by the cash register and kind of by the beer cooler so everybody could hear it. And uh, I didn't get home for 10 minutes after that. My phone rang and says, hey, you didn't hear this from me, but that truck you're looking for is so-and-so. So we knew who he was now. and He kind of had the choice he was going to go on the run because he was out on probation. And uh, within minutes of that, he had called and turned himself in. And we set up a meeting time, he and I. And we met. And it, and it was pretty pretty heartfelt it was before Christmas and he wanted to provide and you know, for his family he had two kids and um, took that chance that he knew that it, if he did it and got caught then he was going back to jail and the unfortunate side is yeah he did get caught for once I had caught somebody that is saying he needs the deer wasn't that I felt bad, but I, I was thinking about this particular family, and I had recently got a deer that was a roadkill, and so I cut, I started cutting up meat, and when I cut it up, I did, uh, I also threw in some other stuff from, we grow on our little farm, we have chickens and turkeys and pigs, and, um, and I had butchered a moose that fall for a game supper, and donated out a bunch, and I had some, uh, some really cool venison bratwurst that I made, so I threw those in. And I was working on Christmas Eve, and I showed up, and the wife was home. The husband was, you know, unfortunately in prison um, for the time being. It wasn't, wasn't a very long extended stay, but it was long enough. Um, and she was happy, I mean, tearful. And it, it's, uh, you know, it makes you feel good. Okay. I'll go check it out. All right, thanks, Dave. Okay. So that was uh, a complainant of mine who is a caretaker for a huge tract of land, and I built a relationship with this guy over the love of old trucks. <laughs> and we've swapped truck parts back and forth, and uh, but somebody had just shot a turkey, apparently. And it's not turkey season. And it's on the land that he caretakes for. It was about 3 o'clock, and we were driving on a private road through the woods that ended up at a huge estate. All these woods were posted. Pretty much every tree nearest the road was posted. Then a car came up behind us just as Jeff was getting another phone call. We pulled off. Just tell him, tell him, I'll, call, tell him I'll call him in a little bit. Okay, thanks. Hi, sorry, I'm getting out. I'm just getting out the phone. Hi. Turned out it was the landowner. I stayed in the truck, but I heard a woman say to the warden, can I help you? He said, hi, yeah, I'm your game warden. And she said, oh, I didn't know I had one of those. You have an interesting window into different cultural strata in the state. It kind of crosses all the boundaries. So what do you notice about the, the very wealthy in Vermont? 
No, I think um, the the big thing with you know gigantic landowners that have a ton of money that are here very limited amounts of time, I don't think that they know the culture a, a lot of times of, of the land and of, of Vermont and of the people that you know, maybe used to use that, which that place back there in particular, that place has you know been for you know, since the founding of the town and and now it's locked up where only four people get to hunt it. Well, at least somebody gets to hunt it, I guess. But, you know, and it may be the scenario of, of a few people might have ruined it for everybody. But um, it is it is mysterious that how much money is in real estate in, in little towns like this. And What do you think money does to people? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm not... I'm not an expert in that because I'm not rich and I'm doing just fine. And I was joking around when the mega bucks got to the record amount of money. Somebody had asked me, they said, what would you do if you won all that money? They were like, would you quit tomorrow? And I was like, I would continue to be a game warden. <laughs> I'd probably make some drastic upgrades and different equipment, but I just love this job. That looks like a bug. Oh, it is. Ah, he's running out. I'm sorry, he'll be back. He wants to be in that apple tree. He's like a four-pointer. Jeff had seen a big buck standing in a field on posted land, so we drove up the road and hid the truck. The sun was set, and it was about ten minutes till the official end of another day of hunting. Jeff stood there in the almost dark watching the buck feed in the apple tree and watching for slow cruising trucks with their windows rolled down. That was Game Warden Jeff Whipple. If you have a comment on the show, I would love to hear it. Just go to my website, rumblestripvermont.com and go to the show page for this show, and at the bottom of that page you will find a comment box. And if you have a minute to make a comment on Apple Podcasts or on your social media channels, that would be great. That's how people hear about podcasts. I will not be sick the next time you hear from me. This is Rumble Strip by Marika Heilman. Thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>